All right, welcome back into the We Shall Not Sleep podcast. Thank you so much for joining us once again this week. Oh my heavens, I have been anticipating this one for a while, and I've teased it for, for even longer as this was actually Adam, who you'll hear later on in this episode. It was his idea, I have to credit him, to have a group podcast. So we'll, we'll get to that in a minute, but I just want to say thank you for all of the listeners. Thank you for everyone who is going to listen. Uh, welcome to the We Shall Not Sleep podcast, and this is what we do here. We, we talk about real things, and hopefully that, that can help other Christians on their faith journey. That's the end goal of any of these, it was either in the, the bi-weekly segments where I just kind of give you the drive time thoughts that's going on inside my head, and the longer ones, bi-weekly as well, that kind of you know add a little bit more perspective into some, some topics that I like to hit on. So I hope you guys are enjoying that. Thank you for the feedback. Um, where you can email anything like that to wsnspodcast at gmail.com. Please feel free to continue to hit us up on YouTube or anywhere you get your podcasts, including SoundCloud, where we're hosted. Thank you for the folks over there. Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts. So, back in the fall of 2012, I, along with the majority of these gentlemen, began our journey at Olivet Nazarene University. And lo and behold, we had no idea what God was going to do in our lives and by his grace, we all came to be together in this group where we practice discipleship and accountability. And every week since college, we've had a night, Thursday nights, where we get together on a phone call and we talk about life. And it's brotherhood. It's true discipleship. So I want to let you in on that. Thank you to Adam who suggested it. And thank you to all the members who are able to join us tonight. I sincerely thank you. Sit back and enjoy being a fly on the wall for our D group. Say, hey, dudes. Thank you very much for joining me tonight. Uh, we got Jonathan, Adam, Dan, Jared, and Zane. Uh, we just got two of our guys who are away this week. So if we happen to do this again, maybe we can be introduced to the rest of our members, but thank you guys so much uh, for joining me tonight. How are you guys doing? Adam, what's going on with you, man? Not much, just kind of hanging out, um, hanging out at the office tonight, been doing some work today. Um, but um, yeah, life is going good. I'm chilling out in Colorado. I'm a youth pastor uh, in Sterling, working with Jonathan's dad, actually, which is pretty cool. Thanks, Jonathan, for the hookup uh, with that, uh, with his position, just because uh, I was looking um, a couple years ago, I was looking for a position and he's like, hey, my dad's still looking for someone. I'm like, sweet. And then we had an hour and a half conversation and uh, <laughs> it always makes me chuckle because after our first hour and a half conversation, he's like, you know what? I'm going to fly you out here. And I've never been flown anywhere by anyone. So it was, it was kind of is kind of cool. So it ended up working out and I'm, I'm grateful. So Emily and I were out here and, uh, we're doing great. So awesome, man. Awesome. Thanks for serving the Lord in that way. Uh, yes, we have a few pastors in this group, so, uh, we'll, we'll make sure to watch our language, uh, tonight. Um, so, so thanks for that, Adam, especially for Adam. He's a youth pastor. You have to watch him. <laughs> oh, you're right. Um, but, uh, you'll throw it over here, I guess, keeping with that scene, Dan, who I was his best man, but not saying that we have favorites in the group. But Dan, how are you doing tonight? And where, where do you uh, find yourself uh, with your position? Where are you, where are you living? Where are you staying? What are you doing? Uh, I am staying in Minneapolis. 
And uh, I'm a youth pastor at a Lutheran church here uh, near the Twin Cities. And uh, I am doing just fine getting ready to get on a flight tomorrow to go back to my home of Massachusetts. And, uh, and uh, yeah, that's about it. So yeah, Minneapolis is great. Uh, I live here. Michael will live here pretty soon. And, um, you know, uh, it's a great place. Yeah, well, Dan, <laughs> Dan, Dan's the jokester of our group. Yes, he tries every single time we talk to try to get me to go move out there with him. I don't know why you still insist upon that. Uh, because a, it's a wonderful city. It's yeah, a okay. common thread in our group. All of us try and get each other to move where we are and say, hey, you should, we should move here. You know, like yeah. we, I think we mention it at least once a week. Well, my, my vote's for Colorado with you, Adam. It's a much better state than Minneapolis and Minnesota. So that's Represent. that would yeah, that'd be my vote, Dan, just for the record. That's a dumb vote. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, at, <least> <laughs> at least it's official. It's been recorded. Um, so I guess sticking with out of state, uh, Mr. Broom, Jared Broom is here with us, man. How are you doing tonight? Where do you find yourself living these days? Hello. Hello. Um, I am in Urbana, Illinois um around the university of illinois um i like it my parents just recently moved down to florida um they're doing okay um they their plan down there though is not going quite as planned that's a whole nother story but um but yeah um recently i grew up around this area urbana urbana champaign illinois area just uh hour 15 south of uh, olivet um down the interstate um born and raised around here. My family, my extended family was born and raised around here. Although it's, it's a kind of funny, I'm now the last one of my entire extended family that's now in East Central Illinois, um, except for maybe a couple people. Um, but the rest of our family is essentially moved out of state. <laughs> um, I do have my uh, half sister that lives in town, but I think she's the only one. I think the rest of my family has moved out of the area. So, but, uh, you know, I love the area. A lot of people don't exactly like Illinois, but you know, I feel like it's home and I like the area. So it's, it's really fun. It's great to be here. And, uh, what, and where, where are you working? What are you doing these days? Oh yeah. Good question. Um, I am in between jobs right now. However, I have, um, recently Caterpillar got back to me. Um, and I'm thinking of getting back with them. Um, the pay is, I think going to be about just over $2 more an hour than I was earlier in the year when I was working for them. Um, I had recently gone to another position after Caterpillar, but that unfortunately did not work out too well. Um, so I've been, I've been looking for other opportunities at other places, but um, Caterpillar um, expressed its interest in me again. Um, I had contacted them and ex they expressed a great interest in me coming back. Um, so I'm thinking of going back there. I, um, I am also waiting to hear back from State Farm if I'm going to pursue them or not, um, but it's more than likely probably going to be Caterpillar um, as a customer support analyst. Analyst, so awesome. Man. Um, so yeah, I, I had fun in that role. Um, wish it was had benefits and paid time off, but uh, I might have to wait a little longer for that. But you know, I'm, I'm a patient person. The pay seems to be you know more than more than enough. So good. Yeah. Well, well, I appreciate you updating us on that because um, you know, this is yeah, this is obviously recorded for a podcast, but we're also actually catching up with each other in real time. So it's a okay. benefit for yeah. the rest of us. So thank you for, for sharing that. And uh, we'll, certainly something we'll be praying for still. Good. I'm glad I could share that even on the 
you know, the podcast or whatever. So thanks. Yeah. I'm sure the other people will check in a couple of weeks from now saying, did he get the job? Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but thanks, man. Um, I'll throw it over now to our friend Zane, the smartest person in the group by far. Uh, no. the, the most, most experienced in life as well. Um, what you doing, man? Where do you find yourself these days for the people who don't know you and for the rest of us, how's life going? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, things are, I'd say going pretty well. Um, so I'm here in Riverdale, Illinois, where Olivet is. And, uh, yeah, I'm an engineer at a pharmaceutical company here in town and, uh, been here for the past five years, I guess, which is kind of crazy to say. Um, met my wife at Olivet and, uh, we have two girls. One is over a little, maybe almost two and a half years old. And, uh, the other is about seven months old. So, uh, so yeah, it definitely keeps us keeps us busy. And, yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, quite quite exciting. Our our youngest has just started to sleep a little bit better through the night, so that's uh, definitely great for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and yeah, I guess that's a brief rundown. Yeah, well, thank you for that. And and I, it's one of the reasons why I want to place emphasis on the fact that we know this is the probably the biggest sacrifice for you at the end of a long day to be able to take some time. We really appreciate it, but it's always nice to be able to catch up with you uh, as an aside. Um, my coworker uh, who's our age just had uh, his kid last week. And I'm thinking, as I'm talking to you now, I've never, he, he's never been this tired before. So I can imagine, <laughs> I can imagine you can relate, but, uh, but thank you so much for, for updating us and, uh, and being here, man. It's, it's so cool to see you again. Yeah, it's good to see you guys for sure. Glad to be here. Um, and I think finally here, just kind of introduction, uh, Jonathan, who is here uh, close to close to home here in Michigan, man. What's going on with you? Yeah, um, not a whole lot, man. I mean, there's not a whole lot, but yeah, a whole lot. Uh, pretty busy fall coming up here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I work at the Gerald R. Ford International Airport in Grand Rapids in the IT department. And uh, I am one of three for the airport. So uh, things are pretty busy, especially right now. Um, Yeah, pray for me tomorrow because I am still, both my other coworkers are on vacation. So I'm the only IT guy there. Let's go. All right. And it's, it's a Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've survived two days. Just need to do one more. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Excellent, man. Um, which I'll come back to you here in a second. So it's like it's something that we do here on the podcast. Any guests that I have, and these guys know this too. I was going to ask them, but I, I think it's it's fundamental that us Christians share this because it doesn't matter if it's quote unquote cliche. It's so important how we all came to Christ. And if I would ask of you, and I'll start with you, Jonathan. Um, and this is for the rest of you guys, like how, how did you come to be a Christian? Just simply like, was it, is it something regardless of whether or not you were raised that way? There's always a moment when your faith becomes your own. It's not your parents. And for many of us, we, we, we get that realization at college, but for your journey to Christ, uh, how did that, how did that happen? Oh man, that, that is definitely a story. Um, yeah. So I was raised in it, raised in a, a pastor's home. So, you know, it was, it was there from day one. Um, I remember (laughs) first, the the time that I gave my life to Christ was when I was like four, 
is when this actually happened. But parents took me to, I don't know why, but a drama called Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. Boy, was I a scared little four-year-old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really, I feel like my uh, stepping into the faith as my own, um, I feel like that kind of happened in high school. And then there was just a lot of growth through, uh, through college. Um, I had a rather rough move from a, a, a church in Illinois, moving up to Grand Rapids here. And uh, I didn't make that adjustment initially well. And so um, there was a lot to work through. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the church district up here was really supportive. And I feel like that's kind of what helped me um, step into the faith as my own. What, what age range would that have been for you then? Oh, uh, it's probably a sophomore in high school. Okay. When, um, when I, I feel like that was probably about the time that I, it, it, it started being a lot more real and, um, A lot more, um, like something that's more like, like solidified, so like yeah, concrete, yeah. something like that. Yeah, which yeah, there's more a, behind it. Yeah, it's more of a foundation than all, all more cultivated, which we'll discuss through D Group and just through Olivet too, just through the opportunities mm-hmm. I can imagine later on. Well, that's great, man. Um, you know, then it's going to be a theme for a lot of us here, um, but it's still an important story because I'm pretty sure not all the members of the group know each other's journey to Christ. I think that's so important mm-hmm. because that's what brought us all here. So, Hey, thanks, man. Um, Zane, I, how, how did you come to Christ, man? Is this something that's always been a part of your life? Like, how did that all work for you? No, not necessarily. Um, so yeah, so I guess, uh, I guess it was maybe a little bit more casual. Um, so I mean, really, really no big involvement until, I'd almost want to say right around high school, like right before high school. And um, then it was a little bit more like, a, I guess, casual Christian. But the big defining moment was, uh, you know, when I got to Olivet, like, you know, like, like I said, um, went to Olivet, was pretty casual Christian, didn't know, had never really opened the Bible on my own. And um, here I am in a place where people are just, you know, casually reading the Bible out in the quad and stuff like that. And I'm like, Oh, I feel a little out of place here. Um, and yeah, so, uh, so my, my RA had actually challenged me to start reading, uh, you know, he's just saying, you know what, read one proverb a day, uh, you know, just throughout the days of the month, uh, almost adds up to about, uh, the number of proverbs. So just try one, one, one proverb a day. And, uh, you know, I really, I mean, yeah, it, it was really good for me yeah, learning about uh, wisdom and stuff like that. Um, and uh, just being in God's word. And um, yeah, it was, it was really, um, I don't know, something just kind of cl- started clicking for me and, you know, being in my, uh, you know, my Christian formation class and, and things like that. And um, just really being, being in, in the same floor as a whole bunch of guys and we had our bible studies and stuff like that and just learning more and more about uh about christ and um the sacrifice and you know there's just one day where i you know i went to the uh 
<clears throat> went to uh, uh, chapel and uh, the it was a uh, pastor Mark Holcomb who was giving a message about basically um, like I thought he was just he singled me out there looked looked to me straight in the face and said are you running from God and I'm like yeah yeah that's me yeah and uh it was just uh really overwhelming for me and i it, it was an altar call and you know, i went up there and pretty much all the guys on my floor went down and laid hands on me and it was just an incredibly emotional experience for me and, and that was the really big defining moment i guess for me so it was a really cool experience i guess so that was your freshman year yeah Okay. Well, yeah. that, that went away. It would make sense because at least I can testify to this having met you sophomore year is that I knew your name because people talk about this Zane person that, you know, was really friendly and I'm like, yeah, whatever. Um, and then I met you and you creeped me out, not because <laughs> you did anything wrong because you were like really nice and it wasn't yeah. fake. It, it wasn't a little strong. <laughs> well, it wasn't, well, it wasn't disingenuous though. That's the thing is yeah. I hadn't, hadn't met somebody as just kind hearted as you. So I'd like in a way it, it somewhat surprised me because I had totally either I can't remember or I didn't know the fact that you really weren't committed until freshman year because I think it was so obvious, it's very apparent that the Holy Spirit was just like, I get this is a cool thing. I'm gonna share this with everyone. Just you know, and you were just give people hugs for whatever reason, and it wasn't creepy. And I'm thinking, <laughs> uh, uh, okay, uh, that's fine. But you have been a staple of our group for uh, throughout all college and since college because, because of that, like that characteristic of just kindness. And I I've always appreciated you for that. And that makes a whole lot of sense now adding, adding to that, that story. So thanks for sharing. Yeah. Thanks. Mm -hmm. um, I don't even want to ask Dan um, just because, you know, I guess I have to Dan, you grew up on the East coast. How'd you come to meet Jesus all the way over there on the East coast? Um, I, I, I just want to say too, I think it's really interesting that like, we've never actually asked each other this question, like, and we've yeah. been talking and doing this for what's it seven or eight years now or something like that, <laughs> you know? Like, um, like but, uh, but for me, um, I, I, I was sitting here thinking about it while, uh, while we're talking and, and I was thinking about how my relationship with with Jesus is kind of very similar to my first impression of my wife okay um and my wife knows this story and I'm sure my I think Michael knows this story yeah. too and but I just walk into a room and I didn't want to be interested in anybody because I was a supervisor with a company and, and that's a can't date a subordinate and uh well uh, I walked to a room and I was like yeah, I'm not interested in anybody in here, <laughs> you know, and um, my relationship with God is kind of the same way in that, like, I grew up in a Christian house, um, and, you know, my parents, like, uh, you know, they're like, hey, say this prayer, you know, when you were five, and I was like, all right, you know, so I said <laughs> it, um, and, and it took, like, but it took a, a while of, like, a lot of people, um, in my life who influenced me and, and had an impact on me for me to realize like how wonderful, like Jesus is kind of like the same thing with my wife. You know, it took me like a few weeks of actually getting to know her to be like, Oh, this person's actually kind of cool. I kind of think I like this person. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Um, and, and just and, for clarification, that was before marriage. That wasn't after marriage. That was before marriage. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. It was before. <laughs> uh, but, uh, um, but my, my, my journey to faith, I feel like was kind was, was pretty, um, it came to like a peak at when I was probably like 16 and camp was a huge influence on my life. I spent pretty much all every week of the summer at camp. And there was a lot of people up there who, who really encouraged me to um, make my faith my own. Um, but then when I got to college and nobody was really checking in on me anymore, that's when things took a different turn and it went the opposite direction. And I remember when people started bringing up things that I hadn't even thought about, um, things that my church never talked about, like contradict, like things that like seem contradictory in the Bible or whatever. And pretty much freshman and sophomore year, I kind of had a little bit of a crisis of faith um, mm. in that I, there was times where I seriously considered like, am I actually a Christian? I don't know. You know what I mean? And um, mm-hmm. I, I have to, like, honestly, I have to credit D group as one of the things that really um, pulled me back in the right, di- in the right direction. Um, and mm-hmm. so, um, so yeah, my faith journey has been, it's been ups and it's been downs just like any other relationship in my life. Um, but I think uh, that's the easiest way to describe. Yeah. How I got well, here. Cause, Cause you got in, we'll talk about this in a second. You came in junior year. I, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. So mm-hmm. that's, uh, I did not know that. That's fascinating. I don't know if any of those other guys knew that I didn't, I didn't, I mean, I know you've, you've mentioned it in the past that there was this kind of wavering, but I didn't realize it was, you know, that D group was, was playing a role in that. Yeah. And the fact that we've never discussed it until now, trust me, it wasn't planned that way. Um, it's just, it's just kind of what it was. It's like, yeah. We're- yeah. Yeah. It was, it was honestly a, a combination of D group and honestly living with you. Uh, and which is why I think, you know, um, you, you were my best man at my wedding for a reason, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. well, you're welcome. I'll just, I'll take all the credit. It's no problem. Uh, yeah. for, for pushing you away from the faith for D group to bring you back. Uh, the, no, but thank you. That's, that's really kind of you to say. And, and it's also very humbling. And, uh, I'll just say way to go. Cause this is going to reinforce what we talk about here in a few moments about what this group has meant to us and what it's done. Um, so thanks, Dan. I appreciate it, bud. Um, Mr. JB, Jared Broom, man, um, just real quick. I was, you, you mentioned it, you alluded to it many times in, in this group, but for the rest of those who don't know, how, how did you come to Christ? Uh, what's your Jesus journey like? Yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting. Um, while I grew up similar to Dan, I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, my parents are, uh, dad worked for the University of Illinois and uh, Abbott Power Plant for 29 and a half years. And um, he's been, he'd been a member of the church uh, I go to now for like, well, for so a very long time, since like 1978. <laughs> so mm-hmm. he'd been very, uh, very active in the, in our, in the church that I go to now. Um, and my mom uh, joined him when they got married. Um, and then, you know, it's funny, my parents would always, uh, invite me to church or, you know, as I like to say, they, they like put like a little, like a donut on a string, you know, and like drag me along or whatever. Gotcha, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that, that's how they get you the, the donuts at church. So, you know, I essentially only want to go to church for like the donuts, but when I was there, I would really, I would be very, um, involved in worship and, um, 
in, in so I think I had a somewhat of a relationship with Jesus when I was in, you know, kids church or whatever. Um, but it wasn't until I got to sixth grade in, um, in our youth group that I said yes to Jesus. Um, in elementary school, I think I had a good relationship, but uh, the transition between elementary school and, and middle school was a little rough. Sixth grade was not a great year, <laughs> but um, I just didn't know if I was connected enough in, our, in my youth group. Um, but like, and then for the first couple months, for like September and October, I don't think I went to youth group at all. I didn't think I'd know too many people. I think I, I think some of my friends were, um, were not going or something, or I didn't know if I'd know quite that many people. Or I didn't have too many close friends before or anything. Um, but for whatever reason, I just felt like a, a calling or something. Or I felt like I felt drawn to go to youth group or do something more than something on Sunday or something yeah. or something. I don't know. I just felt this, you know, voice in my head. Now I know it was God, but then I didn't quite know what it was. But I decided I asked my parents. My parents were very respectful. Um, you know, they didn't, you know, they encouraged me to go to youth group and they said they would drive me. But if I didn't want to, that they wouldn't push me or anything. Um, my parents have always been very res- kind of respectful and they would always encourage me to follow my faith. But um, they also didn't want to you know, shove it down my throat, as you, you might say. Sure. Um, Amen. So they drove me to youth group um, sixth grade, I think, back in uh, late October uh, 2006 when I was in sixth grade. Um, and then I just, um, I kind of, you know, I really enjoyed being there. I enjoy, I, you know, it was a place where I could find friends and if school wasn't going well, I had a safe place at youth group where I could really, really grow, really have friends and everything. Um, but I could just go there and be myself. Um, and then later that year, I kind of, I got so, um, I loved youth group so much and, uh, I grew to know, meet Jesus more and more there that um i think near christmas 2006 i um there was an altar call at our church and um if anybody that wanted to accept jesus i think well actually i don't don't know if there's a call but i just knew that one morning in in december i that year i knew i wanted to accept jesus as my lord and savior so i went up and i got someone to pray for me and i accepted jesus um but I was so nervous about getting baptized because I didn't want to get baptized in front of, you know, hundreds of people. It was just really nervous for me. So I didn't get baptized until my freshman year of uh, high school. Um, but that that was a big part of my faith journey. And then, you know, that's how I came to know Jesus. But later on, a couple more big moments were um, when I went on a couple mission trips to Mexico with our youth group. Mm. Um, those were big moments in getting kind of... Oh, yeah transitioning into high school so um but yeah um that's the you know when it, when i point to a moment of when i came to know jesus that was the moment of uh close to december of 2006 you know when i accepted jesus and i went up and got yeah. in prayer it's, it's so cool how we remember those dates as, as just definitive moments in our lives and it, yep. you you describe when you can relate to a lot of other people which i think adds a lot of credibility to to our faith is that you describe this this pull this it's like you it's not not you feel obligated, but it's just like, there's everything in your being. You, you have to, you have to respond. Um, so yep. that's cool, man. Thank you very much for sharing. I, and it's really cool. Cause I, I had not heard that. Uh, yep. so excellent. Um, and then finally, Adam, uh, 
rounding everything out, man, uh, somebody who was in your wedding and has, has seen uh, your family home and where you grew up, I, I definitely can understand why you were a Christian, just uh, hearing and um, hearing and spending time with your brother and your parents. But but what, what did that journey, though, individually look like for you? Hmm. Well, it's funny you mentioned the two of them uh, or just my family's been very formational in my faith, but you know, I, I was born into a Christian home. And I think the way that I always, when I have the opportunity to share this story, the way that I always share it is that, you know, one thing I appreciated about my church is that I didn't have a set of parents. I had like six or seven um, homes that I was in and out of all the time, just because I had friends, you know, in the church, lots of kids around my age, um, you know, and you know, the Allens and the Harringtons and the Steins uh, and just all these families that just those adults were you know, not only several examples of, you know, what healthy marriages looked like, but also just like, what does it look like to, to follow Jesus, to love the Lord and to, um, you know, all these different things. So I accepted Christ at the age of six um, and uh, kind of, uh, um, you know, kind of grew up into that, was always involved in youth group stuff, um, middle school, kind of transitioned to, to more of a public school. I'd gone to a Christian school when I was younger um, and really, um, to make a, a long story short, around junior year, I realized that I wasn't, I was kind of living a, living the dual life, I guess, um, something in youth ministry we might call the proliferation of self is you're, you're, you're living nice. one way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're, you know, you're, you're living this way around one group of friends and you're living this way around another group of friends. And you're just, you're just, and I, I realized that like, like no one would have known I was a Christian, like at school. Like if I would have told them that I was a Christian, they probably wouldn't have believed me just because I acted no different. Right. So it was around my junior year that I just like, I, I need to take my faith more seriously. And I, and I, and I wanted to start diving into my faith more. Um, I started meeting with my youth pastor for a couple of different reasons. And he met with me on Wednesdays at, at McDonald's, we got breakfast together and all that stuff. So he was, uh, pastor Bob was, uh, was huge in my formation. Those, those later years of, of high school, um, went to Olivet and, um, found myself in, in a number of different groups surrounded by people who loved the Lord, um, got involved in ministry teams there, the traveling worship groups that traveled in the summer. So we'd go to like eight or nine camps in a summer. Um, and during my first summer traveling was when I received my call to ministry, call to call to youth ministry. And that's when r really probably one of the bigger moments where um, that propelled me into really just seeking the Lord, seeking the Lord, seeking the Lord. And all of that served as a really great kind of moratorium for me to figure out um, what I believed and um, yeah. to make my faith my own and like seriously my own and to start thinking about, you know, like, where does the Lord want me? Where does he want me in ministry and, and uh, all, all of that. So, yeah. Well, and that's, uh, I really, I can relate to you probably the most because of, of specifically about having the set of parents and being able to have um, a potent, like just a, a lot of examples of, of marriage and support around you. And then kind of it culminating in the fact that Olivet is like, kind of like the, it's the breeding ground for a lot of, a lot of make it or break it uh, 
faiths because it you're on your own. You're surrounded with a lot of people that hopefully think the same way. But when you have the opportunity to be around other people in that way, you're, you're shown sometimes the hypocrisy of Christianity because everyone's trying to figure out who they are. But you also can find people that can help reinforce that faith and, and help you out, which is what D group eventually began. And I, I want to stay on you, Adam, because this is really the meat of our podcast uh, tonight is how D group began. And you tell it better than me because our, our technical first D group was, was like freshman year in the fall when I was kind of having a little bit of a, not a crisis. I don't want to, I don't want to exaggerate the fact that I was just not in a very good place. I was having some trouble adjusting to my roommate situation. I was not having a good time um, with, with band, uh, you know, band camp has a stigma for a reason. Um, and I was, and I'll let you tell this, but I was not in a really good place and you asked to talk. So I'll let you take it from there. Cause this was basically how D group, this was like the, the seeds of D group. Mm. Yeah. So I, I can't remember exactly. I, I know it was one night I was getting back to my room. We were on the same floor. We were at completely opposite ends of the hall. Um, so I was kind of walking to my room and you, you noticed me and you like, you greeted me in some fashion. Um, but like the way you did it was weird. Like you were, you were visibly upset. You were visibly just, I don't know. And I, I felt, I felt a tug and this is probably one of the, the more significant pulls that I felt that I'm really glad that I followed through on, uh, just like, Hey, like you should go talk to him. It's like, okay. So I, I go down and just like, kind of just sit in your room and it's like, Hey, what's going on, man. And then we literally <laughs> <laughs> spiral conversation for the next like three hours. Yeah. It was at least two. Um, but we started talking about just like you were voicing some of your frustrations. Um, we found some common ground. Uh, and I, I, do you remember what, um, so <laughs> Michael and I were both in relationships at the time and we both had uh, our significant others at the time had us read the oh. uh, same book, um, yes. which at the time it was so funny. I was so into it. I was like, oh yes, because it was, it, the, the book was um, when God writes your love story. And <laughs> do you remember Dan? <laughs> it's good. Anyway, so when God uh, writes your story so we, we we kind of bonded over that it's like oh you you had to read that book too oh man yep. anyway we, we started talking about that we started talking about just like similar similar struggles in life um and you know we we touched on a lot of topics that just people don't really talk about and mm -hmm. um we're like you know what like we should like see if anyone else struggles with these things and maybe we can like have a support group and all this stuff. So, yeah. So. Yeah. And that, that was our freshman year and it was a seed because uh, another member who's not here is Curtis. He was also in, in band. We, we knew each other. So Adam, Michael, and Curtis were the three people that were kind of like starting this because we were in band together. We shared a lot of the same commonalities, a lot of the same frustrations and same struggles. So we kept up through freshman year with those things because we were around each other all the time. Uh, and so our first, our first official D group meeting didn't happen until sophomore year when we were like, okay, we want to expand out because it's not just us three. Uh, we want to, we want to go farther than that. So yeah, we had kind of like the, the first meetings of D group wasn't official uh, until sophomore year, but it started freshman year. And when I went to, and this is something Zane mentioned, our chaplain, Mark Holcomb, 
Um, there was these minister teams that were run, and I heard of these things called D groups, which stand for discipleship groups. I kind of asked what they were because it was a student-sponsored ministry uh, that would later go on to fizzle out, except for our group, which looking back now is hilarious. Um, but way I said, go, what is, yeah, way to go. We're still, we're still going strong. So I said like, all right, well, I want to do that. Let, let's do that. And he gave me some curriculum, just like, here's kind of a foundation of what you do. So I said, all right, well, I got Adam, I got Curtis, who else are we going to get? And at least in this order, Zane, I think you were the next one to join. I think you were the next one to join. Uh, it, was either, it was either you or Jonathan, but Zane, I, I will uh, direct the question to you first is how did, do you remember coming into to D group? Do you remember what that experience was like for you? I think I just uh, casually found myself there because we were on the same floor freshman year. Yeah. We were in the same yeah area of the, of the, yeah, on the same side of the floor. And um, yeah, I think I just remember uh, maybe you invited me once or twice and I was like st studying for these crazy tests in engineering. I was like, oh, I don't know if I have time for it. Um, but yeah, no, I think uh, I just found myself in there a few times and I was like, you know, I, I really, I really like this. This is a, you know, great group of guys. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I think I uh, just uh, became part of the group. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. And actually I'm, I'm mixing that up. That's right. So sophomore year, we were on the same room in Hills, which was an upperclassman uh, men's dorm. It was actually, Andrew is the one that Curtis, I think brought up. Um, but then yes, you joined. Um, and I'm so grateful for that and again, because again, it's Zane, it's true. Zane's the smartest of all of us. He also, he actually oh, worked on. the hardest amongst all of us. I think I can say that, uh, tenfold. He, he worked harder than anyone else. Like he didn't really, I, I joke, he didn't really enjoy college if it wasn't for D group, uh, <laughs> because he, I mean, he put in work and there's a reason why you have success with your profession, man, you put in work and you're, you're a very skilled person. So, um, but the fact that you took time every every week to be able to come out for a couple hours that just man it's so cool to see what god can do um but thank it you was, man it was a great time it was absolutely fantastic it was a it, absolutely a big distraction i or i mean yeah it was so much more than just a distraction but yeah it was exactly what i needed every week so you guys were an absolute blessing so and still are yes it's, it still continues um the next one i have to i still feel bad but it's a learning point to how arrogant I can be at times is very humbling moment. Um, Curtis said he knew this guy named Jonathan Kokenauer. And I'm like, uh, Kokenauer of like, well, there's probably, a, there's like a million of them here at Olivet. So like, I've heard the last name and he said, I really think he should join our D group. And at that point it was just four of us. It, it been five. I cannot remember. Forgive me. If Jonathan came, did you come real quick, Jonathan, when Zane was there already? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Zane okay. was already there. So, so we had, we had five guys at this point. We had, it was myself, Curtis, Adam, Zane, Andrew, and we were contemplating adding a sixth member. And the reason why is because we had two hours. We were, I mean, guys, I don't know if you remember the first five of us, we were talking so in depth about so many things and we were, were sharing so much and we didn't have, um, we didn't have so much going on. And I guess that's from saying one of our other members, uh, Jordan was also there. Um, thank you, Dan, that I'm like, I don't know if we have, have enough room to add another person. Um, and Curtis looked at me and he said, Michael, this guy's looking for discipleship. Who are you to deny him of that? I went, uh huh? Well, that's the biggest uh, slap in the face I've had. 
So I said, yeah, let's bring him in. So Jonathan, do you remember that time? Do you remember what your first experience was? Like, I don't, I don't know how Curtis even knew you. So I don't know how that connection was made to begin with. Um, Curtis and I had been working in the same youth group at, uh, well, oh man, I forget if it was North campus still, or if it was a gathering point, but we were in the same youth group, worked with the same group of kids. Oh, okay. And so I, oh, I talked right. to him quite a bit every okay. Wednesday. Everyone. <laughs> Good. Well, and I mean, it's, it's a testament to Curtis because you know, saying, Hey, we got this group of people like you want to come to it. Do you remember like coming in there sophomore year? Did you, what was like your first impression and what were your takeaways from coming in? Um, I mean, I already was aware of a good number of you guys. I mean, I'd run into Zane on campus, Adam, you, Michael, we were in a class together. Mm -hmm. Um, and so my, my first impression was it was, a, you know, a group of guys I could trust to talk with about pretty much anything um, faith-wise or what I was struggling with or any sort of spiritual thing. Um, yeah, it, it just felt like uh, a support that I needed. Mm-hmm. At that time. Yeah. Especially at that time. We were, uh, there was some stu- tough stuff going on at a church that my family was at mm, yeah. at the oh, time. That's right. And that's right you guys were a fantastic support through all of that. Mm-hmm. It was <laughs> definitely a godsend because I, I just needed some people to talk to. Yeah. And some guys just empathize with me and uh, help me work through things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, it, it's a sense of, of brotherhood. And if you guys remember whether, you know, and, and uh, I'll get to you in a moment here, Jared, but throughout those three years we met together, there wasn't one night where we didn't end the evening just huddled up, you know, just in prayer together and then just giving each other hugs and saying, Hey man, I'm here for you. And it, what was it? And that's the best part is that it grew into the fact <laughs> this is the best. This is so hilarious is that, you know, Adam, Adam and I are, are very emotional people. We, plus we love, both of us love to talk we would talk to each other about D group sightings. Like, Hey, I saw Dan today. <laughs> it's, it's like, wow. In, in, in the wild you did. Yeah. He was, he was going across. Michael, we live together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was, it was the best. Like, yeah, uh, it was still it's so exciting, but it was also coming back in like the next week saying, yeah, that, you know, Jonathan, you know, had, had talked to Zane or Zane had, had seen Adam uh, and so forth. Like we're, we can make those connections because we, because we didn't run in the same circles of friends. That was, that was the other thing is that I, I think I mentioned that once a lot of us came in, I'm like, who would put all of us in a room together? Because different personalities, different. I mean, again, there's always popularity. Uh, Jordan Lingo being the one signing autographs before he'd have to enter my, my dorm room. Um, and you know, that, that's just something that, once, once that door was closed and we prayed for the night, it was like, everything was gone. And I, I always, always appreciated that. Um, Jared, you were, you came in when we were all seniors cause you were here behind us. Um, but when you were kind of forced into it, I, I tried to just say, Hey, just, just come, come to that. Do you, do you remember those days when we were all living in Stratford and meeting? Oh there? yeah. Oh yeah. That was, uh, we, uh, 
that was an interesting story of getting a getting a more absorbed into that in the discipleship group but i really do appreciate it. a lot of times i did kind of feel a little bit like i was just outside you know looking in sometimes or or whatever or i i didn't quite um like understand the dynamic or or something like sometimes it was like you guys had your in group because you guys were about in the same grade you guys kind of grew up together throughout all of that and then there was little old me from a different class <laughs> who also had other other friends as well I was like man I, I don't know about this but um I do I did feel very welcome all the time and you guys were so willing to you know welcome someone else in that was that is to be honest very very weird person but um but yeah I felt very at home with all of you guys and um yeah it was just it was really fun and I know some, sometimes I can be very kind of like, I want my own, my own space. I want to be you know left alone. So, or whatever. But um, when I forced myself to like join, I like, it was definitely a highlight of my week, honestly. Mm-hmm. And some of the conversations that we would have would be like, man, we're getting really honest and I'm loving it. Like having brutally honest conversations where people are able to share what they believe, which may be contrarian to other you know beliefs is, um, very, really staggering in today's age. It's very um, against culture. Um, culture today wants to put us in tribes and say that we can't, we're not supposed to like, we're not supposed to associate with another tribe or something or someone that thinks another way. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think disciples, I think D group was very anti was very, not, not anti-culture, but countercultural to that. And that's what I appreciate about a uh, discipleship group that we were able to have, that we are able to have, um, you know, controversial discussions and we're able to share things that are, um, you know, we, we, we see an issue a different way. And, um, that's kind of what D group has meant to me. And, um, you know, sometimes I'm not always able to come all the time, you know, sometimes I like my Thursday nights to myself, but, um, to have that, to have that group of, group of men to kind of fall back on and say, man, I need someone to talk to. I need a group of guys to, to sharpen me, you know, to, um, that I can pour my heart out to, to, you know, say, man, I'm struggling with this this week or whatever, whatever, um, is just invaluable. And I just think it's so remarkable that you guys have, uh, we have been continuing this after what, five, six years. Yeah. So yeah. it's just absolutely remarkable after you, college. So. You have to throw yourself in that conversation. You are a part of it. And yeah, I, I yeah. definitely, definitely understand your, your disposition because uh, you, you did come later to the table and you wouldn't have the same camaraderie necessarily as some of us, but that didn't matter. And yeah, I did, uh, yeah. then the, the fact that you lived, cause like our, our senior year, Jonathan, myself, Dan, and, and, uh, and you all live together. So it's kind of like, come on, you have, you have to be a part of this, man. You, yeah, you'll you'll yeah. enjoy this. And, um, you were just as willing to go to Taco Bell and, and, uh, all the other places we go to on Thursday nights together, just the same. So, um, but thank, thank you for sharing that. Um, and Dan, I, for the last person, kind of like D group, you've, you alluded to the fact that how, like what D group did for you. Um, but you, I, 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 I don't want to steal any of your thunder because like how you got into D group is hilarious. Um, but do you remember that time? Do you remember that specific, like all those logistics and how that worked out? Well, uh, mostly I think I, I remember being on uh, class council my junior year and 
uh, you had like your thing going. This is when you and I, we weren't really close at this. I mean, we, we, were, we were friends, but we weren't like super close at this point. Right. And I come back to the dorm and I knew that like Tuesday nights were like, you told me like Tuesday nights, like, like that's all I want. You know what I mean? If you want to yeah. watch TV, do whatever. I just want Tuesday nights in the dorm. And I said, that's fine. So I felt weird because I walked in and you guys were all having D group. And I was like trying to be quick about it because I was trying to, you know, let you have your space and all this other stuff. And um, you guys were having that conversation you alluded to earlier with Curtis about letting Jonathan join or something like that at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, Because at, as I was like putting some stuff away or whatever, Curtis is like, well, we should just let him join. Mm -hmm. And he pointed (laughs) to me and I was like, huh? (laughs) I wasn't really, I wasn't looking for like, I wasn't looking for anything, but like, I actually wanted something like that. I just wasn't like willing to go and seek it out. And so forgotten about that. That is hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) And so then like, after like you were convinced to start inviting other people to the group, uh, you're like, well, uh, you live here, so you should come. Yeah. Kind of the same with Jared. <laughs> Jared was told to, to, to come to D group. So it, it was mandatory. If you're living with me, you're going to be a part of D group, whether you like yeah. it or not. <laughs> um, yeah. And that, and that's what, and again, I, I can't speak because hopefully someday you guys will hear from, from Andrew uh, and Curtis and how, how their story came to D group. But what, what we tried to do and, there, there are a lot of accountability groups out there. I mean, if you think of like the most secular one, AA, I mean, which are great programs. I mean, they're built around a fundamental Christian concept about acknowledging the fact you can't go through life. You can't get through these things on your own. You need the support. And at college, at, at a, if we're all honest, looking back now, I mean, especially freshman year, which is coming up on nine years ago, none of us knew what we were doing, but everyone projected like we knew what we were doing, wondering if anyone would notice. That's pretty much where you're at in college. You're trying to, you're trying to still kind of be cool, act cool while your insides want to be on your outside uh, half the time. And from a spiritual perspective, you had people, it doesn't matter if you grew up as a missionary kid, if you grew up as a Christian your entire life, when you're away from home for the most, for most people, uh, a little ways from their parents, it's your own. No one's going to check on you, whether or not you're going to church. No one's going to check your internet history. At least, uh, at least, uh, there's ways of getting around that. No one's going to know if you're, if you're addicted to certain things that you shouldn't be, uh, no one knows that. And when you're around other people that can hold you to a higher standard, it either forces you to shape up or it, it makes you hide out of shame. And that was something that, that happened. And again, I don't want to, I'm not going to, for the sake uh, of privacy, there was something that happened our freshman year that, that called to attention of a lot of things that a lot of people struggle with. And it, it brought a lot of shame on people. And there were some outlets given It's like, how do we, how do we, as men, how do we then just as women overcome a lot of these insecurities, a lot of the issues we deal with. And I'm thinking we got to have something for it. And that was actually a point of conversation, which Adam alluded to in our first D group conversation saying, Hey, what do you think about this? How can we work through this together? And it's like, well, can you be my accountability partner? And it's like, well, you can always lie to your accountability partner. So you can always not tell them that you're having problems out of shame. And there's always pressure there. So I'm like, well, we got to have something more than that. And I don't want to just come here and read the Bible and then that's it. Like, I don't want it to be a Bible study. I don't want it to be just accountability partners. I want it to be something more than that. Something where doesn't, you don't have to feel pressure to share, but you're, you're here, you're amongst 
family. Vin Diesel would be proud. Family. Um, and you're going to get some raw, honest feedback and you're going to get rebuked. And we had no problem. That was the best part is that the Holy Spirit was so present in our conversations that people would call each other out, but it wouldn't be the, for the sake of making me feel better. It was saying, Hey man, I struggle with this too, or I know this, but here's what you need to do. Here's what, how it's helped me. And that is the foundation of D group. And we've had our chat um, since college going on since July of 2016. And it's continued to be that. So for other people out there, and I think this has only been affirmed more. And I think all of us have experienced this. I've lost a lot of friendships since college, uh, several in the last year. And the stuff that has remained has been D group. Um, I'm not estranged from any of you guys. I'm not physically close with you guys because we're in diff- we're all across the country, but you're my closest friends now. Um, it's no longer the people I grew up with that I've known for 20 years. And that's it's, it's fact I've shared that with you, but I say that because other members of the group are starting to express that as well. It's the, it's the endurance of time, which has only been wrought by the Holy spirit. So what I want to ask you guys is for those other men, other women out there who are our age, you know, pretty much in the middle of the road, millennials, late twenties, who, you know, they're, they're deep in life. Now they're married. They're having kids like, like us now where your, your time is really starting to, to get spread thin. How do you maintain friendships like this? How do you start things like this? Cause it's never too late to start things and seek out discipleship amongst friends. So I, I guess I'll throw it to you first, Adam. What, what is it about this group that's held us together? And what is your encouragement for those who, who need something like this group and are kind of lost in where, where to begin? What was the first half of that question? <laughs> Sorry, I was lost in it hap- thought. It happens like, how, how, do you, how do you think we've kept up this longevity for so long? Uh, and then, then, what, then how do you encourage other people to start something like this? Yeah, it's... Hmm. Well, I think as far as why we, we were, we were discussing this a couple of weeks ago, um, just in kind of preparation a little bit, but as far as why it has lasted so long, um, I think there has been a, um, an understanding that, Hmm. I don't know. There, there's, there's been, you know, Michael's kind of spearheaded just the, the, the diligent weekly practice. Like we're doing it this week. We're doing it this week. We're doing it this week. Like, Hey guys, we're having it this week, that kind of thing. So that's definitely been a huge part of keeping us all together as far as like that in supreme intentionality of just, so that's, that's the first key word I think is intentionality um, and the, and the desire to, to maintain connection um, we've never really taken any breaks. Like we've never, like, I think the only exception being like immediately after graduation, we kind of all went our separate ways and then started up the chat again, again, you know, it was what, like June, July of 2016 that we started up. So intentionality, um, just the, I don't know, like, there's there's something really special about just being like we all have a desire to be fully known and loved 
And when you're, when you're with people for, for that long, um, and it, it's so strange because college is in college time is weird. You know, Michael made mention earlier that like we had the opportunity to not only see each other just on one night, but we would see each other. We'd have multiple contact points among each other throughout the week because campus was so small. All of that life was so small that we had multiple like life together in college is so much different. If you're, especially if you're in a small tight knit community like that, like one thing that Emily and I had to adjust to super quick um, when we, when we, move we graduated was that like relationships take so much longer outside of that kind of moratorium so like yeah as as far as someone seeking that kind of community intentionality has to be even more uh, even more like present because not only do you have to navigate like okay we're gonna we're gonna do this you know consistently like you have to well it's, it's sacrifice it's it's a it's a sacrifice and it's going to take time away uh, yes. when it's not already built in like we've had like it's just kind of like part of a thing you mentioned the fact that we started up really quickly uh, we kind of got settled in our, in our space we gave each other space like yep we're going to get jobs all this stuff but yet we're going to get back to it and it's like oh yeah well i already had that planned in my life and i i know that school life is vastly different than my working life as far as the schedule goes, but it was mentally something we already set aside. So for the people out there who maybe don't have that right now, that's, that's what's going to take. It's going to take sacrifice, but it's how, how badly do you want that, that type of discipleship? Do you want to be known and be loved unconditionally by other people? Uh, and that's something that you look at the disciples themselves. They, we talk about modeling anything after they were called by, by one singular person by for a specific purpose from different backgrounds. They didn't necessarily like each other. They had reason. Um, they had reason for their animus towards one another, but they were united through one thing. And that's the, I think that was the foundation, but I think you're getting to a point, Adam, and I feel free. Anyone else who wants to chime in is the value of having this now, how do you, how would in the world would we start it today? I mean, for the people who don't have anyone, it's like, you're not going to really meet someone on the internet. Are you? I mean, just trying to brainstorm ideas for other people out there. Well, I, I have an idea. Um, I, well, I think, I think the, the reason why it's worked for us is there's, there's probably like two or three like core reasons. I think one core reason is that we have, a couple of us, especially Michael, who, like Adam said, who are very diligent about um, making sure it happens, making sure that people feel like they belong as a part of the group, you know, and kind of spearheading that because, I mean, I can speak for myself. I'm never the one who sends out the text message or starts the call or does any of this stuff. You know what I mean? Um but, but even in college, it was, it was um, always Michael coming around like, so you coming to D group tonight? You doing this? You coming tonight? It's like, if you're not there, Michael's going to notice. So I should go, you, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's, and believe me, there was weeks, there's weeks I didn't want to go. Um, so I think like you were saying, it takes, it takes a, a, a little bit of intentionality, but I think um, it also takes something that I've just been 
been sitting in my brain for a long time and I've recommended this to everybody in the D group, but to read this book, it's called uh, Belonging, Reconnecting America's Loneliest Generations. It's a great book. Pick it up. It's on Amazon. It's 20 bucks and it'll take you half an hour to read. It's about a research study and they, they surveyed over a thousand people in Gen Z ages 13 to 23. And, um, and so it talks a lot about like feelings of loneliness and stuff, but at the end of the book, they come up with three core principles and three common things that they notice throughout their surveys and interviews with these people of how they feel like they belong to a group. Cause that's what I feel like we all, it, I guess I'm only speaking for myself, but I feel like that's what we all feel here is a sense of belongingness and which is why we're so open to sharing and open to um, making this a priority. And um, I think the, so they have three levels. Level one is I'm noticed, right? So um, that's like just being like noticed and name like, hey, the, Dan, join our group. You know what I mean? Dan, you live with me, you're coming to D group. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like that first level of like, oh, hey, this person wants me to come. You know, they want me to join. Um, the second the second level is what I just kind of mentioned is I am named. So it's like getting like a text message. Hey, I didn't even, I noticed you weren't there last night. You know what I mean? Is everything okay? You know, or um, it's it's like checking in on the middle of the week. It's it's kind of like that extra step, which is kind of the hardest step to take. Yeah. You know, it's, it's easy to say hi, but the second step of being like, hey, I actually, of intentionality, like, hey, I actually want to, you know, be in relationship with you <laughs> at least a little bit is, is the hard part. And then the third love, the third thing that they noticed, or the third trend that they saw is like, it's called I am known which is essentially um, it's known among the group or among the person anyway, that um, if any, like there's not going to be a reason why I'm excommunicated from the group, Mm. generally speaking, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't have to, I don't have to have my general filter on, you know, around these people. I can let them know what's going on and it's not going to, change how they feel about who I am Mm -hmm. so I think those two things and and I guess to wrap it up real quick the third thing I would say is um I've been in a lot of small groups and not a lot of not all small groups will have this and not all small groups will work just like this but it's kind of like you just have to keep trying different people essentially until something fits you know um because not every relationship is going to fit and you can't force a square, a square block into a round, a round uh, thing. You know what I'm saying? I can't there you go. I don't know. <laughs> you, and you ended so yeah. well there. Uh, no, I, I yeah. understand what you're saying. And, and yeah. what, what you're saying is unconditional and that, yeah. that's hard to find. It was, I mean, that's very elusive, especially when we're young uh, and at that, that prime age in college, when we, again, we're all very vulnerable as young men, but also very prideful. So to admit any faults and weaknesses and to trust each other with that, uh, again, I, it's all from the Holy Spirit, but the fact that we look back on it now, it's like, well, if we had to write a book on how to do this. It'd be like, well, ask God for it. Cause I think ultimately all of our hearts, we were, we were seeking that we just, in a lot of ways, we didn't know it. And God threw this in our laps. Uh, Zane, I have to ask you because as somebody who is in a way, in a sense, busier than all of us with your travel for your job, but the fact that you have a wife and two kids, like how, how does somebody who might be in your position who would say, well, where do I have time? You know, I'm a, I'm a husband, I'm a father. I know I need other good men in my life. 
to hold me accountable. That's something it's a theme in our, our group. Like, I don't know where I'd be. I'd be in the tall grass somewhere without you guys as good men. Um, how, how would you encourage other, other fathers, husbands, guys who were, you know, into their career? How do you encourage them to be able to be disciplined with their time to set aside time for this type of stuff? Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's definitely a very, very important aspect. And I, you know, I haven't always prioritized it. And I, you know, I really do see the effects when, uh, um, when you can't get that for a long time. I mean, I've, I've definitely seen it personally. Um, and, and I guess even, I mean, I would even encourage like, um, just reaching out to your local church. And cause I know that, I mean, we were very blessed too, you know, in addition to this, this group, we were very blessed. We had, um, a lot of small groups through our church that we, we, it was, it was like a, um, like there was like a big session you could go to and you could kind of sign up and be like, Oh, this is specifically for single people. Um, or this is specifically for married couples or, you know, things like that. And, you know, we, we got into, we got into one group at our church we were there for probably three and a half years. Then we went from that group and went to another group for two years. And that was a, a group where we, we had, um, um, you know, people around our age. So just, just even look at, I would say, even look at your local church and just see if something like that exists. And if it doesn't maybe even start something, uh, I know that's a, you know, that's bold to do, but, um, you know, that's, that's how I guess this group started was just, uh, you know, two guys and a vision and, uh, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it's uh, I would really encourage uh, people to either start that group if it doesn't exist or, or even look within your church. I love that, man. Thank you. Cause that's, you can, it's kind of like the Gandhi thing, you know, be the, be the change. Uh, you know, if it's not there, why don't you create it? And I, and that, that's something too, is that when you have opportunities there, they actually might be there. You just have to take the time to look for them and it does reveal whether or not you really want it. And um, nowadays, like commitment, that's probably one of the biggest, biggest thing our, our generation of, of people lack. Um, that, that's a question I have for anyone. But before we move on, is uh, Jonathan, Jared, anyone else? Do you guys, um, do you have any insight as to for, for people who maybe want a group like this to start, but they just either don't know how, or they don't know where to do it. And then is there any, any things that you've seen that, that's helped our longevity? as a group together? Well, when I, uh, <clears throat> when I think of this group, I, I, uh, one word really comes to mind that I feel like um, kind of describes this group. And I just get, got the word loyalty. Um, Michael, I think you've done a great job of instilling a lot of loyalty in a lot of the small group members and in the best sense of the word. Um, I think it takes, it takes a little bit of leadership. I mean, this group, I don't know if I'm, I mean, could have, but a lot of this group wouldn't happen if there wasn't someone that was, that was kind of doing like a lot of the leading. Um, if there was, you know, no leader, you know, who know, you know, you never know if, you know, something like some, some like these things, this group doesn't happen maybe. So I think it takes some kind of servant leadership I think for a lot of these groups to really to keep going because, you know, different members are at, um, at different commitment levels. 
I mean, I essentially could testify to that. <laughs> you guys are seeing with me. Um, so I think it definitely takes some kind of leadership and someone to be proactive in that, like that has been said. Um, but I also think that we have also felt like a sense of loyalty, um, not just to you, Michael, but to each other. We're, we feel accountable. And I think that's like a big, a big aspect of it. We know that this group has um, been very important in our lives. And that's something that we've, that I can see you guys have kind of testified to every week. And I think that is what reminds a lot of you guys that, or a lot of us that um, this group has meant a lot to people. And um, I think that's another reason why it's continued for so long is that we've had these, you know, testimonies of how this group has really meant a lot to you. And I think if someone were to want to start something like this, I think definitely starting in your church would be something or um, just be, you know, even if it's not in your church, you find, you know, someone and being, being interested in being interested in them and noticing people, you know, people really like to talk about themselves. Um, I think just, um, just noticing people and inviting them to coffee and inviting them to talk about themselves for an hour. You know, a lot of people would enjoy doing that. And, you know, if they don't want to talk about themselves and you could talk about yourself and your, your experiences with them and just being interested in them. And that's how I think you cultivate a sense of loyalties when you're vulnerable and you're, you're noticing them and you're telling, you know, telling some of your insecurities, um, mm -hmm. you know, you're not bragging, <laughs> you're not bragging about them or you're not, you know, broadcasting them, but you're finding the right group of people that can be trusted with those insecurities and um, vulnerabilities. So I think um, it's just be noticing people, and, you know, being willing to listen to people and, you know, listen to their stories. Um, I think, you know, starting with your church and then working outwards, I think um, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't even have to be, you know, five or six people. It could just be one or two people. Exactly. You know, it yeah. doesn't have, you don't have to make it complicated. You know, you mm -hmm. could just start out talking about your lives. It doesn't have to be, you know, super spiritual. You know, we right. learn a lot of times here in D group, you know, we all we talk about is SpongeBob all the time. <laughs> so now, now it finally <laughs> comes out that, that, that we, we finally have revealed that that's what's held us together for so long. Yes. SpongeBob <laughs> is the real reason we're all meeting on Thursday nights. That's literally just, the only reason. <laughs> just so everyone knows, I did put a SpongeBob reference in the chat. He so, did. Oh my gosh! I think I threw something like that. I oh thought my, was I, I did oh, okay. catch that, Dan. Thank you. Anyway, Jared, you you are you are touching on things that Dan just read from that book about being noticed, and yeah, who knows? And and Adam alluded to it at the very beginning was that uh, he felt a pull, um, and he noticed he noticed my distress, and he answered that. And look where we are here now, some eight and a half years later, almost. Um, and it's uh, that, that grand vision was being able to say, guys, I've heard about it my entire life of being able to have people here. I've always heard it, that college, the reason why people bond so close is because of the vulnerabilities, a lot of the insecurities and the friends you make there can be friends for life. And we're eventually going to do it. Our D group retreat, we're going to do it. But the idea that <laughs> in 20 more years, we can tell our kids um, and the next generation saying, you see that guy over there? See uncle Adam, we call him uncle Adam or uncle Zane. I've known him for so many years and I'm not, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry on this podcast, but the fact that I've, I've been to his wedding 
I've been through the pit of hell with him. I've been to the mountaintop with him. And he's done the same for me. And you see, you see Curtis, you see Dan, you see Jared, Jared, you see Jonathan. We all have done that. And son and daughter, the friendships and the relationships that you can pursue in life, if they're rooted in Jesus, you can have people who are closer than brothers and sisters to you. Um, and that is what I've always I've always kept as like the vision, like that's something that God has always put on my heart. But you guys have had to answer that. I can't force you to come here. Um, and I, I can't. And, and so at some point, the Holy Spirit has, has taken you guys and, and, and said that you need to be committed to this as well. Um, and before I ask this final question, for, so I can let you guys be free. Uh, Jonathan, did you, did you have, did you see over the course of, of your time here with D group, over the last several years, something that added to our longevity and stuff that you see that can, can help others who are struggling. I would say, um, and, and this takes a while to get to sometimes, but, um, our D group is definitely at its best when we are rigorously honest, which means that, you know, it, it's not all the time, but you know, there are plenty of times that everything's out on the table, man. We, we are open with each other and we tell each other about our lives in almost its entirety. And that way, you know, you, you get a full picture of a person and you can see where God's working with them and um, what kind of struggles they're going through. And you can tell them, Hey, this is a, this is how God has helped me here. And you know, help, help someone walk through that, um, that pain or that struggle. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll just add one more quick thing too, is that I feel like a lot of insecure, like at least just for me and my relationships in my life, it feels like a lot of insecurities tend to get in the way of me actually pursuing those things you know, which is why it takes a lot of intentionality. Cause sometimes, you know, you'd be like, well, I don't know if this group actually likes me, you know? Um, mm -hmm. so I'll just start backing away, you know? Yeah. Oh, I don't know if like, like, what if I ask them to do something and they say no, and they're not really interested. You know what I mean? Th those kind of like thoughts kind of get in our head and it stops us from actually pursuing, um, things that could be wonderful in the future, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and they, they giving into fear and anxiety, all that stuff has nothing to do with God. And look what happens when you step aside and you let God to take things and then we obey. Um, it's been, it's been beautiful. Um, so I think one of the biggest enemies nowadays in our culture is commitment. It's, it's something that um, I would say we're the most com commitment less generation in a way. It's very much socially acceptable to cancel, to uh, cancel, not just plans, but do so at the last minute to say, Eh, you know, or I'm not going to go, I'm not going to communicate. So there's not a lot of commitment or the weight, at least I've seen amongst our own generation, except for in this deep, in this group. And yes, there are, there are phases where, where God takes us other places, like some of our members, and then he brings us back. And the thing is that D group is here first and foremost, because of God, it's not going anywhere. If we keep our eyes fixated on God, it's also not going to go anywhere. We might go other places. We might be away for a little bit, but we're always here but that takes commitment and a commitment to Jesus first. 
if your faith is wavering, other, other men, other women, depending on who you are, can help you in your faith journey. But it's only going to help you as much as you're committed to Christ. The best part for all of us is as flawed as human beings as we were, we were actually wanting to do better in our faith. We were far from perfect. There was a reason why we needed each other. Um, so God honored that, that commitment. And even though we weren't perfect, even though we fell short so many times, we, we wanted something higher. And I think we had an understanding too, that even if we didn't get anything out of D group that week, our presence there helped somebody else because it's not just about me. It's not just about my faith journey. It's about what we can do for each other. And I think understanding that weight can, can really put things into perspective because as we, as us Christians, I mean, at the end of the day, our whole calling, and we've said this before, we're here to serve Jesus spread and spread the gospel. That's it. That's our purpose here. And how are we doing that? And I think in this group, we've served it. Uh, but to Adam, I guess for the, for a closing question, this is for, for all of you guys. So feel free to chime in whenever. So this is for everyone, but just so Adam don't talk over each other. Um, how do we instill with the next generation or amongst our own um, the value of commitment and, and how that can pay off and how you can see dividends from it. Goodness. Yeah. You don't have to respond. It's just, uh, I mean, cause I'm talking to two youth pastors, Adam and, and, and Dan here, that's their biggest challenge is trying to solve, like, how do we get people to, to come? How do we show the youth, especially the value of being in church? Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe, you know, here's the problem. Many of you guys would be a millionaire if you found out that answer and could put it down in a book somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think, oh, man, trying to, uh, I want to try and briefly answer this and I want to add a, maybe a different kind of tag. Um, oh, I don't know. I think the only way that you understand the value is if you, like experience it yourself, I guess. Like you can tell someone all the time, like, Hey, you need to be more committed, I guess. I don't know. Like one of the things that I try and do in my youth group is like creating a space that emulates a lot of the things that we value. Right. So we're intentionally meeting together every week. Our three core values, our love, respect, and fellowship. Um, you know, when we're in our group, we, we, we strive to love God and love others. We try and respect uh, each other's opinions. We respect, um, you know, the space that we're in. We, we value the, the communal aspect of being together, the fellowship. Um, so in a sense, I'm, tr- I'm trying to, like, help them see, like, m- maybe one day they look back and they say, man, like my youth group, that community that I had, was really, really formative in my faith and in my life. And in just, you know, as we talked about, a lot of us testified to, you know, our youth groups and how they were safe places for us or, or what have you, or they had a significant impact in our faith journey. Um, so I think that's, that's definitely a huge part of it. I want to go back for a second and just add like a little tag. If there's one thing that I've been learning more and more about in the last several months, it's, it's being, um, it's being, my, my eyes have been opened to the amount of hurt that is just rampant in the church. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the reasons, you know, if anyone's listening who, you know, 
maybe they have an uh, adverse reaction to small groups because they've, they've had a bad experience in the past. They've had a bad church experience in the past. Like, I'm sorry that that happened. Like, I don't know. It's difficult for me. I haven't experienced, I mean, I have experienced hardships, like dealing with things inside the church, but like, I haven't been hurt by the church in a way that would make me give up hope on the church and, and, and leave that community, I guess. Um, and like, I think that it doesn't, finding, finding that group, finding that community, finding those friends that will, that will walk through hell and walk on the mountain with you, like, sometimes that takes time, it takes patience, it takes it it, it 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 takes vulnerability it takes trying again it takes you know healing so if you if you have been in a, in, a, in a rough spot like i don't know why i felt the need to say that <laughs> i just think that like okay. you know not, like not everyone has like such joyous experiences as what we have experienced right it makes me all the more grateful for what we have experienced but like i've talked with people who just like don't like the idea of small groups like i don't want to be a part of that it's like or i don't trust the church like or i don't trust whatever or maybe i don't know i don't know so and it brings up a whole nother topic of those who have been disenfranchised who who have a trouble uh trusting and and uh for for those people and the only it's it's basically the same answer I have for people who are incredibly apathetic about something and people who aren't committed. I think it comes back to the to the one thing that if you know somebody like that um, or if you're that person, I think being shown by other people. So this is a charge to the people that are in each other's lives to, to echo what Jared had said about noticing people. So you might not be that hurting person, who, whoever you might be listening to this, but you might not you might know somebody. But you might not know they're struggling because you never asked them. Now, they yeah. might not inherently trust you, but that doesn't give you the excuse not to trust them. And if you are that person, I pray that God brings you somebody that you can trust, you can open up to, because the only way out of that is being shown the value, the value of being committed, the value of not being apathetic, and the value of being trusted and experiencing a community where you can be trusted and accepted for who you are and not not fearing being ostracized or cast out. And I know this is going to be a shocking thing because we're going to get as far as the Gospels and the Bible. It's living out our faith. It's encompassing all of that. We have to show people. We can't just talk about it. Yeah, and uh, one thing I wanted to peg on, Adam, I'm glad that you – I'm actually glad that you talked about that because I think that is important to speak out when you're talking about encouraging others to join a group. Um, maybe we – maybe we kind of forgot to mention something along those lines in the quest in, you know, talking about why people should have a group like this. Um, if people have been hurt by groups like these in the past, because there are groups like that, or there are experiences like that. Um, and for those people, I would say that, um, you know, that um, just to open up your, your heart again, I know it's really hard. Um, but if, if the disciples were able to make it work and spread the gospel with all the problems they had with each other and maybe how, you know, mistrustful they thought, they thought of one another, 
they were able to still make Jesus their, their number one thing. And um, I, I encourage you, I um, just say that there are people out there that you can trust, that you can, that you can uh, pour your heart out. And if you ask God and if you cry your, cry your heart out to him, uh, he will, he listens and he'll, he'll provide the, that small group, that uh, group of people that you can really trust that you can pour your heart out and, um, you know, spread out um, just to, you don't have to do it immediately, obviously, <laughs> not on night one, obviously, but you can eventually get so deep with it. You can share your life story that you can trust again. Mm-hmm. Good word, man. Any, anyone else before we go want to chime in on that? Yeah, I'll, um, I, I, as I'm sitting here thinking about commitment, I think commitment comes very naturally to people for, for a lot of people. It comes very naturally. But I think the thing, that stops a lot of people from committing to something is they're not sure if that's something that's worth committing to. Cause at least for me, when I feel like something's worth jumping into, I, I jump into it, you know, I'm all about it. I'm for, you know, and maybe not everybody's like that, but at the same time, um, like a group like this or any, any group um, that is, is centered around Christ and stuff, can be started just like Adam and Michael started this, you know, with Adam just walking into Michael's room and just being like, Hey, you okay. (laughs) You know what I mean? And like, you know, and after like talking, like if you think it should be a thing, you can call it out and be like, Hey, this is a great thing we have going here. Let's keep it going. Let's, you know, let's build upon it. And um, cause frankly, like the way I view, I view all of you is, it's almost like, this is kind of like my home church. I know we all have our own churches and stuff like that, but this is, this is the, this is my church. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's, that's why I'm so committed to it. Maybe it's why I, like whenever I've gone to other churches, I've kind of like, I don't always feel like a visitor. Like I feel like I, I go there, but sometimes I feel like, you know, I have two churches almost, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, um, so I think for, for like commitment, I think it's just like, for when you see something that's good and when you see something that's like yes this is this is something from god this is something god's giving me you just jump right into it and you just gotta know like god will tell you and you just know it Mm -hmm. yes for sure for sure well uh certainly great perspective on all these questions tonight guys we're not trying to solve all the world's problems but um before we go does anyone else have any closing thoughts on tonight anything you want to share well, I think I've really enjoyed this group. I know that I, you know, I kind of came in late and, you know, I'm kind of the, the, sometimes the outsider, obviously you guys wouldn't characterize me as that. Um, and I, now I don't characterize me as that either, but um, I've just really been really appreciative of being part of this group and that you guys are still, um, that Michael, you've always, you know, invited me in, even when I've been away for, you know, months or whatever. Um, but um, but just going back on commitment, instilling commitment in the next generation, I just, um, so much of the youth of, are feeling, as, as was pointed out, like with Dan, that, you know, Gen Z um, is, is one of the most loneliest generations. And I think um, part of it is giving them ownership sometimes over their youth group. Um, with the youth group at my, the church I lead, I, I'm not I lead, but I'm a young adult leader at, um, 
I'm a young adult leader at uh, our youth group. And, um, and what I kind of what I've seen that has helped with commitment with this, our students is that our youth pastor is giving them ownership over some aspects of the youth group. Mm. The theme for our last year, not this year, but our last year of youth group was that the youth will lead. And he read some passage in, I don't know if it was first Chronicles or second Chronicles or maybe it was Psalms. It was a Psalm where it was like, it went something along, along the lines of the astonishingly, it was the youth and young maidens that were leading the pack of Israel giving rejoicing with God. And that kind of spurred uh, my youth pastor getting to think, Hey, um, what if we let the youth lead some of the aspects of the church, like announcements, um, welcoming people in uh, some aspects of worship. And I think um, giving them, giving them a lot of leadership, I think instills a lot of commitment in the next generation. You're not going to get everybody to be committed, but it's just well giving ownership to some aspects of, the the experience and no and again back to the noticing thing mm-hmm. yeah I, I that is some good words there and being able to basically ask people to be participants and, and their own faith journey instead of saying here's what you need to do and they almost come across as um as like watching themselves like third third partying their own faith journey saying oh, okay i guess if i do all this so that, that's good stuff jared um uh, thank you thank you guys to all of you uh, for, for everyone, uh, for your, your time tonight. And I would love to do this again with you all. Uh, I appreciate all your sacrifice. So Adam, Jared, Jonathan, Zane, Dan, appreciate you all. I love you brothers. And we'll have to do this again soon. Okay. No. Definitely. Hey, right. Awesome. See ya. Right. See you <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you so much again to Jonathan, Zane, Dan, Adam, and Jared the wonderful time tonight that was our d group and that is something that we do every week and we've done it every week since i don't know the fall 2012 spring of 2013 it takes commitment and if you are struggling if you're feeling lonely i hope this could have been an encouragement to you tonight because this has given me strength and i know that i have strengthened others And this faith journey is not just about me. It's our responsibility to one another, especially as as us men deal with a lot of things that women don't. And for the ladies out there, I hope you can find something like that too. A group where you can be vulnerable and depend on one another and trust one another. You don't have to be best friends. What's happened here in this group is that they have become my closest friends. And that's all because of God. That was not the motivation going in. So like Adam, I would encourage you, if you're looking for that, why don't you go and ask somebody how they're doing? And that might be the start. But in any case, allow God to always direct your paths. And in that regard, may God bless you and may God keep you.